Hi, wherever you're listening to me, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli, and today I bring you another edition of my special tech briefings. So some of you would know India has set itself a target of 450 gigawatts of power generated from renewable sources by 2030. A few weeks ago, we hit the 100 gigawatts mark. While solar power is commonly known and hydroelectric projects have both advantages as clean energy and drawbacks in terms of the impact on their on the environment surrounding around them, advances in wind power are making it an increasingly important option according to those in that industry. For example, America is setting up an 800 megawatt wind farm off the coast of Massachusetts as part of its plan to get 30 gigawatts of power from wind turbines by 2030. Solar and wind-based electricity generation accounted for most of the growth of the power sector worldwide, according to a report by the International Energy Agency in May. That's likely to continue this year and the next, according to the agency. In India, a nearer-term target on the way to 450 gigawatts by 2030 is the installation of 175 gigawatts of renewable energy capacity through next year, which includes 100 gigawatts from solar, 60 gigawatts from wind, 10 gigawatts from bio power and 5 gigawatts from small hydropower projects. Last week I had a chance to speak with Ranjit VK from GE and Arvind Bansal at Continuum Green Energy, two experts in different facets of renewables and wind energy in particular. Ranjit is the engineering leader for onshore wind at GE's John F. Welch Technology Center in Bangalore. With two decades of experience, he is responsible for designing and launching onshore wind turbines in the land-constrained segment. His team is responsible for conceptualizing and designing new wind turbines, validating and certifying them before launching. His team is also responsible for customer application engineering, project optimization and fleet issues for these products. Arvind is CEO of Continuum Green Energy, which operates India's largest wind-solar hybrid farm. Continuum is backed by investors including Morgan Stanley Infrastructure Partners. Arvind has spent more than 26 years in operations and investment banking and he has closed many transactions in the power, media and technology sectors. He has advised on early independent power projects and has deep knowledge of the energy and renewables sector. Here's more from our conversation. Ranjit, uh, Arvind, uh, welcome to this podcast. I'm looking forward to learning more about renewable energy and wind power in particular. Uh, perhaps we could start with both of you giving us a snapshot of your work. Ranjit, uh, I know you've been with uh, GE for a long time and uh, you work on wind turbines and related technologies. Uh, Arvind, I understand your company operates uh, large wind farms as well as uh, what are called wind solar hybrid farms. Uh, please tell us about your work a bit and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Hey, uh, Hari, uh, it's, it's a pleasure uh, talking to you and definitely with Arvind. Uh, so, and this is my 19th year in GE. And uh, only company I work for uh, joined GE fresh from campus uh, and uh, was fortunate to be associated with Wind for the last 18 years. And I started uh, as an individual contributor looking into wind turbine loads, validation, performance, and then led uh, many teams within engineering as well as product management. And uh, was really lucky 
to have associated with a lot of brilliant minds over the last uh, 18 years within GE as well as outside GE. And every year it is a learning opportunity. And uh, now I'm leading uh, engineering uh, for GE on show wind uh, for international uh, organization of onshore wind, which is everything apart from North America. So that's that's the short brief. Thank you, Ranjit. Hi, hi, Hari. Thanks for your time and arranging this podcast. And pleasure to talk to you and Ranjit today. Uh, I'm Varvin Bansal. I'm a founder of Continuum Green Energy, which started in 2009. Uh, we essentially took the opportunity to enter the space when India moved the wind industry from being a tax instrument to a source of electricity generation in its own right and created structures for people to invest in this industry without banking on the tax incentives. So that's the time we decided to invest in this. Today we have about 800 plus megawatts of operating capacity in India. And uh, included in that is a 227 megawatt wind solar hybrid project, which to our knowledge is the largest hybrid project operating in India currently. We have another 500 megawatts under construction and a pipeline of another approximately two gigawatts uh, beyond that. Morgan Stanley Infrastructure Partners invested in our company in 2012, and uh, they have been an investor uh, with the, investing approximately $200 million to date uh, in, in equity. We have seen the industry transform through various phases. You know, to begin with, we had feed-in tariffs, smaller projects, then as Continuum, we took lead in building India's largest wind farms. So we built our first project of 200 megawatts in Maharashtra, which was the single largest wind farm owned by any IPP when built and right up to 2018. So we, we focused on building uh, large sites rather than taking a small number of small positions in different wind farms. So today we are operating uh, at seven sites in all across India, which, which which will take our capacity to about 1,300 megawatts by the end of this financial year. We've enjoyed tremendous amount of support from domestic banking system, both uh, banks and financial institutions. And earlier this year, we did our uh, offshore US dollar notes issue of 561 million dollars. We worked with a number of uh, vendor partners. Uh, Vestas, Suzlon, Inox, and uh, Siemens Gamesa. And this year, we expanded the partnership with GE with a total of 250 megawatts of uh, wind turbine supply contracts for our under construction projects. Happy to be here and learn more from Ranjit and uh, you know talk about our industry, which is which we like. Okay, excellent. Uh... Maybe Ranjit, uh, uh, we can start with, you know, if, if you could give us a, kind of a brief history of uh, wind power. When was the first wind turbine installed? What, what was the kind of size of its blades? How much power was it capable of gen- uh, generating? Maybe you can tell us uh, where the industry stands today. Sure, sure. And if, if you look at the, the wind turbine concept, right, and it is it is almost uh, 100 years from a concept perspective, even though it is it is not used for the power production uh, from the wind turbines, what we are seeing today. 
But earlier, the concepts came from, you know, how do you use the power in order to, in order to produce, uh, not, not for electricity, but a kind of assist the uh, grinding flows, pumping water and all of that. And that's where uh, the, the windmill kind of a concept started. And then it, it actually started with uh, an energy production, the first kind of an energy production somewhere in Scotland. And again, it is, it is towards end of 1800. It is, I think, around 1890 or somewhere that time. And that's when the, the first electricity production, which is called a Blith concept, which, which came uh, into life, and again, this is like a 10 meter uh, height uh, and it is still not clear how much power production was achieved, uh, but maybe some amount of minor kilowatt. So that's where the concept of wind turbine started and then it grew into vertical axis turbine somewhere in 1920s and 1930s and then moved into horizontal axis turbine, which we are seeing today. The first megawatt size of a wind turbine is something which came up uh, somewhere in 1940, right? And this is this is like a one 1.25 megawatt machine in 1940, and it had a blade length of close to around, uh, if I remember correctly, 20 24 meters, uh, and that's that's where the kind of industrialization of wind turbines started. And then there are a lot of researchers, early 70s. Uh, NASA was involved in, uh, in uh, airfoils and the other structural aspects of wind turbine from a research perspective. And then coming into uh, the GE uh, wind turbines, just to give a little bit history there, and we we started uh, into the wind business almost around uh, around 19 years back with Ener acquiring Enercon, sorry Enron at that point of time, uh, and at that time it was like megawatt of power, uh, close to around 1.5 megawatt, but with a blade length of. Uh, around 30 meters. So when GE started uh, from what Enron left out uh, around 20 years back, we had 1.5 megawatt and blade length was around 30 meters. So that's where we started with. And as we speak today, in onshore wind, uh, we are selling turbines of six megawatt right, which is scaling up from a 1.5 megawatt to six megawatt, which is almost four times in terms of megawatt power. If you look at the blade length for onshore, it grew from 30, 34 meters today into around 80 meters, eight zero, right? So that's, that's a scale up happened in the industry. And then of course there's a tremendous increase in the tower heights. Earlier, we were installing the turbines around 80 meters height. And today, as we speak, we are talking about 160, 170. And so 
if you scale up where we were 20 years back versus where we are today it is it is like four times and three times if you look at megawatt rating as well as the size of blades or tower heights okay uh, in terms of the power generated from renewable sources what is the share of wind energy worldwide and uh, what is the scene in india perhaps in terms of uh, installed capacity and projects currently underway so uh if i may take this uh, i think the share of wind energy in total global electricity production is uh, circa 4.5 to 5% uh, the total installed capacity would be about 750 gigawatts uh, you know approximately 40 odd gigawatts from offshore and the bulk of it onshore in india we have about 39 gigawatts of installed capacity in wind today out of a total renewable capacity of about 100 gigawatts hmm. uh, w- what are some of the biggest factors in favor of uh, wind power and what are its uh, biggest uh, drawbacks so do you want to talk about that yeah i'll, I'll start with the uh, you know biggest favor uh, definitely it is it is clean power and if you look at fuel uh, right compared to some of the other energy sources the fuel source is uh, is like free right and and if you if you have uh, places where you have earlier it was good amount of wind and we will we will talk about how do we classify that probably later but nowadays even medium and low wind kind of a uh, areas also is suitable for wind turbines so that is good you have free fuel and you are producing clean energy and the areas in which the industry uh, struggled in the past but uh, improved tremendously is on how do we make sure that the power production there is variability with respect to wind and with that how do we make sure that uh, we give a kind of constant uh, power to the grid 24 by 7 power generation how do we have that hybrid thinking so and how we would make sure that the grid stability and grid is stable is one challenge from a technical perspective and then as the wind turbine scaled up tremendously uh, definitely it has posed a lot of challenges uh, from a design perspective because we are now talking about uh, the physics of scaling big right and it is it have a lot of influence on how we design the component and how those turbine components are performing what mechanism from an advanced turbine controls needs to be there and which is which i would say not really a drawback which is a challenge because that's what all of us as engineers are excited about so which is even though it is a challenge it is also an opportunity for all of us to to innovate and bring in best so from a technical perspective i would say you know those are the the advantages and disadvantages of wind power uh, if i may add uh, you know a couple of other things that i like a lot about wind is uh, the, the fact that i most like about it is it does not use any water for energy production that is particularly sensitive uh, for countries like india and probably most countries around the world which are getting water stressed 
in a country like India, you know, 70% or thereabouts of the total consumption of water by all industries is used and consumed only in coal-based thermal projects. So I really like the fact that wind energy is able to displace that consumption of water by a dirty technology. And it's, in my opinion, therefore scores way ahead of even solar energy uh, from an environmental perspective. Both fuels are free, but I think wind has a substantially added advantage of not using water. The second advantage that I like about wind is uh, it has a higher uh, plant load factor or every megawatt produces uh, almost 60 to 70% more energy than equivalent megawatts of solar and therefore utilizes the transmission infrastructure way better uh, than solar. And even at the same, and therefore at the same cost of energy at the point of generation, the landed cost to a user for of wind energy is way lower than landed cost of a user of solar energy. Ranjit also referred to variability of wind. I think it's a short-term problem because you know wind fares better on from on solar. Uh, it has year-long production and all-day production, and therefore, as soon as storage costs become rational, uh, you know, at affordable levels in about no more than two to three years. Our simulation suggests that a wind project will be able to use storage and will need about one-third the storage than a solar project would need of same size. And therefore, I believe that wind will be able to handle uh, and overcome the disadvantage of variability way sooner than storage will be at lower cost than solar. So I think a number of advantages, challenges is, uh, you know, solar can be installed at much wider geographies whereas wind has more limited geographical uh, possibilities and has more complex installation and uh, you know project management is uh, way more complex than setting up a solar farm but i but i think complexity of installation and project management is uh, is now well learned and people have been able to set up mega wind farms in very difficult geographies as well I also like the fact that from an India perspective, wind has a domestic manufacturing base. India is now one of the lowest cost producers or, or manufacturing base for wind turbines. And it has come a long way where India is exporting a significant amount of production of wind energy, whereas we are highly dependent on imports for, uh, for solar and therefore from a perspective for India, I think wind has a number of sustainable advantages uh, compared to other forms of renewable energy. How does uh, India compare uh, with uh, what are considered the best locations for wind energy? Uh, you know, in terms of, um, I think you mentioned some of these technicalities, the, uh, whether it's wind speed or uh, the terrain. Yeah, that 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 is correct, and and you know there is. There are a few uh, fundamental criteria from a siting perspective, right? And, and first to start with the wind speed, which is uh, pretty much how does the wind distribution looks like the average wind speed. Uh, and if, if we tie into energy production, two wind characteristics are important, which is the wind speed as well as turbulence intensity, which is pretty much the variation within the wind. Um, and if, if you take if you take the wind speed 
And if you look at India and compared to the other places, uh, the average wind speed for us in the country is relatively low, relatively low, where we have uh, projects coming up, but which is not really uh, something drastically different if you look at the other parts of the world. Uh, if 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 you look back 15 years, 20 years back, and we had sites with an average wind speed of around 8.5 meter per second average wind speeds, and which was the trend across the globe, and all those sites are utilized already. So, which means that now we are looking at an average wind speed of 6.5, 7 meter per second. And again, this is this is also you know, what we are excited about uh, as engineers on how do we make sure that we make uh, efficient products uh, which can add value in those lower average wind speeds, like 6.5 and 7 meter per second. And if I compare this with the other places, whether it is US is still slightly higher in terms of average wind speed. Europe depends on the country, the average wind speed is in the range, uh, similar to India in some places, except probably when we go to Northern Europe. Australia depends on the places, the average wind speed is slightly higher than what we see in in India. Uh, So that's the kind of global comparison on uh, how efficient the wind or how high the average wind speed is. The advantage is that if you have higher average wind speed, you have definitely better returns. And then the other aspect is, which is from a design perspective, if you look at how do you make sure that you get efficiency out of these lower wind speeds, right? So that's mainly from the uh, wind characteristics. Now, if you, the other aspect, we also need to look at terrains. And like I said, the scale is becoming bigger and bigger. Uh, So the fundamental question which we need to answer is, can we transport uh, these blades and tower locations to the to the pad location where we have these projects happening, and which is which will become more and more important as we scale up uh, the blade length specifically, uh, what we are offering within the country as well as outside the country, and this is why we have introduced new technologies you know, in order to overcome that. And maybe we will talk about that a little later, Harry. So I'll, I'll stop here and then listen to probably Aravind's thoughts around this. So you, you're right, Ranjit, that India has, um, you know, in general, lower wind speeds in many other locations in the world. But I think uh, we have overcome the disadvantage by by decreasing the cost of setting up a wind farm in India. To my knowledge, we are amongst the lowest cost per megawatt of installed capacity. And, uh, you know, thanks to people like you, Ranjit, who have been in the industry for a long time and in the engineering and solution side, uh, we have a very vibrant uh, talent base in the wind industry and very low cost manufacturing base here. So we have been able to, you know, overcome this advantage of uh, lower wind speeds by reducing the cost of producing, uh, setting these farms and operating them. So uh, India has a target of uh, 450 gigawatts of power generated from uh, renewable sources uh, by 2030. Where are we at uh, today? Uh, 
and uh, what is the share of wind power in that i think arvind mentioned uh, 4 to 5% earlier on uh, was that a global figure now, what is the number for uh, india and uh, what is the potential for wind energy in india when we hit that uh, 450 gigawatt number so india uh, crossed 100 gigawatts just about a couple of weeks ago of installed renewable capacity uh, you know so we have a long way to achieve the target of 450 gigawatt but the momentum in the industry is very strong and uh, there are very few skeptics who question this achievability of the target today out of this 100 gigawatts as i said about 39 gigawatts is wind and uh, last year wind energy produced approximately uh, 60 billion kilowatt hours of energy out of a total indian electricity production in india of about 1300 billion which is therefore giving you a similar share as 4.5%. Eventually, uh, estimates are that out of 450 gigawatts, about 140 to 150 gigawatts uh, would be wind energy. And given that uh, wind energy produces about 60 to 70% uh, more in terms of energy, this is therefore equivalent to about 250 gigawatts of solar capacity. Mm. uh yeah you spoke earlier also about how because of uh, uh technological uh, advantages in terms of storage and uh, other factors wind uh, should be considered uh can you can you give us a sense of uh, how wind compares with uh, solar or hydroelectricity a little bit more i mean for a lay person like me you know for every rupee that you spend on wind energy uh, how would it compare uh, with solar or hydro on a similar expenditure basis in terms of what you get back sure so hydro projects are considered to be uh, superior in general however they are more difficult to set up and uh, very difficult to scale the amount of hydroelectricity that you can produce because setting up hydroelectricity projects provides enormous environmental and geological challenges and uh, gestation periods are very long so the the key drivers of renewable energy in today's world are wind and solar hydro every country is trying to do as much as hydro they can but i don't think it will be able to provide a very significant share of the eventual renewable mix within wind and solar uh, you know wind has wind provides higher plant load factor or the number of units per megawatt of installed capacity of the order of 60 to 80% more than solar so that's a big advantage and uh, in terms of cost per kilowatt hour uh, at the generating point wind and solar are competing almost neck to neck uh, but in terms of landed cost to the consumer or to utility grid uh, wind is cheaper because uh, you know the transmission grid Uh, utilization is significantly higher for a wind project and therefore the cost of transmission and distribution of wind is about half of that of a solar energy uh, unit uh wind also provides you uh, almost 25 to 30% of the energy production is during the morning and evening hours when there is peak demand of energy in the grid but at that time solar doesn't provide you any energy production because it's a daytime uh, production so therefore wind is uh, better suited to meet the demand curve of energy in india and because it uh, it generates throughout the day right uh, 
it would require lower amount of investment in storage to be able to remove the intermittence or variability of wind uh, completely. Uh, whereas our simulation suggests that a uh, 100 megawatt wind project would require about one third the amount of storage investment compared to a 100 megawatt solar project. And therefore, you know, on a on a medium term basis, when storage is economical to set up in no more than two to three years in our estimate, we would believe that on a landed cost basis and from a grid friendliness basis, uh, wind would be a better alternative. Uh, and so The other thing uh, that we we have believed is that you know, while you can set up a solar farm or bolt on a solar farm to an existing wind farm almost anywhere, the reverse is not true. You can't bolt on a wind farm to an existing solar farm in most places. And therefore, the ability to convert existing wind installed base into wind solar hybrid or wind solar storage hybrid is, is way higher than converting a solar into a solar wind or solar wind storage hybrid. And therefore, eventually a wind solar or wind solar storage hybrid would be the friendliest solution from a grid perspective. And uh, that's the path that we have been taking at Continuum. We have been converting our existing wind farms to, to wind solar hybrids as we've done in our wind farm of 200, 150 megawatt wind farm in Tamil Nadu, we converted into a 227 megawatt wind solar hybrid. And we're doing another 240 megawatt wind solar hybrid in, uh, in, in Gujarat. And these projects are of significantly higher value to both our customers and us. And you know, specifically, if India has to reach the 450 gigawatt target, corporate purchase of renewable energy is going to be a key factor out of that because discounts alone won't be able to support that kind of production. And from a corporate PPA perspective, uh, a hybrid project scores way higher, both in terms of achieving sustainability goals as well as in uh, you know, saving absolute amount of dollars compared to their purchase cost of energy from fossil fuels. So I think on a medium term perspective uh, and in the long term, wind would score better. Uh, as of now, until storage is uh, storage is economical, uh, solar has uh, light of the day. Mm. Uh, how is wind power currently uh, used in India? Mostly, I mean, is it uh, supplied to the grid, and does it does it reach individual households in some states, or is it uh, mostly going to industrial customers? So once it, you know, almost all of the thirty nine gigawatt is supplied to the grid. And uh, once it is invest, injected into the grid, then it just gets mixed up with the electrons flowing from any other source of energy. And then it is supplied to every customer, whether it is industrial or commercial or agricultural or residential customer. However, uh, you know, the Indian electricity market provides uh, uh, non-discriminatory open access to the distribution grids and to customers. So. Out of 39 gigawatts, about six to seven gigawatts is directly sold to industrial cons consumers. Uh, and this is either capacity which is set up by third parties uh, like ourselves or capital generation facilities set up by industrial consumers for their own use uh, because it provides a non-inflationary source of uh, power to industrial consumers. So at Continuum, we, have, uh, we supply renewable electricity to about 125 uh, corporate consumers. 
and uh, we are the largest sellers of renewable energy to corporate consumers in India. And we see that trend uh, picking up robustly. The government has also come out with some new regulations to ease uh, and make this corporate sales uh, way more attractive than selling to distribution utilities. Mm. Uh, give us a sense of, you did say earlier that uh, India has a good uh, base in terms of uh, talent as well as uh, manufacturing in the uh, wind power uh, sector. Uh, give us a sense of the state of the wind power ecosystem in India, both in terms of uh, uh, technological capabilities uh, and manufacturing and maybe India's uh, share uh, in terms of the total uh, global wind power uh, business. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you look at from a technology development perspective, right, and depends on, uh, I mean, if, if we start with GE, uh, we are in India from a technology development perspective for the last 20 years, close to 19 years, and developed the engineers in India in almost every domain. Today, I'm really happy to say that we have every part of turbine engineering happening in India. And so we have teams in India who can design the turbine 100% uh, for India as well as for the world. And if every every domain of technology development, whether it is designing blades, whether it is designing the machinery components, electrical components, turbine control, digital data security, and then services, monitoring. So we there is not a domain in the technology area where we don't have resources or we don't have people in India. In India. Something which we have developed over the last uh, 15, 20 years in the country. And today you can see that almost every large wind turbine manufacturers have engineers and researchers working in India. So which is kind of an example of how the ecosystem from a technology perspective, research perspective, tie up with the universities have grown tremendously. And which is something which all of us should be proud about. And uh, I definitely see the opportunity for younger engineers, specifically on wind technology, would continue to grow in the coming years. Now, if you compare this with manufacturing, and again, similar story in manufacturing, and if you look at the larger wind turbine components, blades manufactured in India, towers, manufactured in India, gearbox. There are a lot of large gearbox manufacturing players who have set up, uh, who have manufacturing facilities in India. Generator, we have facilities in India. And if you look at casting components, all the other structural components, except very few, we have all the component manufacturing capability available in India for the turbines produced in India, as well as for the turbines produced for the world. So, you know, I'm really, really excited and really, you know, it is a humbling experience to see the amount of talent we have in the country, as well as, you know, really happy to be part of that development over the last uh, 15 to 20 years. 
you uh, mentioned earlier on uh, uh, you talk a bit more about uh, how some of the drawbacks are being overcome um, maybe in that context uh, also uh, can you outline some of the most important technological advances in wind energy today that we should pay attention to yeah sure and i'll, I'll start with the latest one and earlier we were discussing about terrains and you know we have complex terrains where it is it can get really tricky and difficult in order to transport large and huge components like blade uh, and this we as we speak we have a jointed blade technology uh, which we have introduced a couple of years back after several years of testing and how does it help which also means that you know some of the sites in certain areas which were not accessible even though we had a good wind profile it was not accessible because we were not able to transport the larger components and now we can we have a technology which will enable us to transport these blades to those complex sites because of joint technology so we are commercially using jointed blades uh, on our largest onshore wind turbine which is cypress across europe and many other places so that's one of the latest technology advancement we have done over the last couple of years and what is more important from a wind turbine technology development like i said earlier the scale will grow we means we have lower wind speed which means that we need to capture maximum energy as much as possible this is why the blade length will go grow the rotor diameter will grow so how do we make sure that we still design and produce cost optimum wind turbine so that is a technology challenge huge role to huge role for for turbine controls to make sure that we are operating the turbine at efficient and optimum operation by balancing both performance as well as cost similarly the tower heights are growing that is because in some areas as we grow higher right in terms of height if we go higher in some areas we would have higher wind not in every areas it depends on the terrain conditions and again that's also how do we make sure that we design and produce cost effective towers which would help us to grow taller as well as with relevant cost to the tower production so these are the the challenges which we are which we are solving as we speak but these would be a continuous journey as the wind turbines will become larger and larger uh, arvin uh, i think you mentioned uh, uh, non discriminatory open access uh, in indian uh, power grids under indian rules uh, can you talk about uh, what the regulatory environment is like in india uh, how does it compare with Uh, other markets uh, in terms of uh, supporting renewables in general and uh, wind power in particular so i think uh, you know india has identified uh, renewables as a strategic part of its industrial growth and the government is pulling out all stops in providing and strengthening the regulatory environment for 
uh, renewable energy in general uh, and including for wind, for instance, uh, they're encouraging and investing in uh, green corridor for transmission of large amounts of renewable energy from renewable rich locations to renewable deficit locations. They're providing a number of regulatory uh, solutions to utilize that effectively without overloading the new renewable energy industry with the costs of such infrastructure. The law provides for mandatory non-discriminatory open access to every renewable, every generator and every consumer to access power from any source. And that is, uh, I think, a unique feature of our, uh, of our regulatory environment. There is a tremendous amount of work that has been going on strengthening the regulatory commissions and the appellate tribunals to make sure that the generators and consumers don't have to, uh, you know, they deal with the discounts or distribution utilities as a competitor, but not as an arbiter of uh, disputes. So a number of uh, facilities provided for uh, renewable energy growth. I wouldn't say there is anything particular for wind energy or solar energy because the government just wants these two to compete on the basis of their own merits. And the government is trying to provide uh, level field for all technologies in the renewable sector. So as an example, you know, as a result of it, you have a large number of companies setting up renewable energy capacity in India, uh, 100 plus companies to our knowledge, who are building renewable energy capacity for sale of electricity to the distribution utilities or uh, the corporate consumers alike. One last question. Uh, give us a sense of uh... Uh, investor interest in wind energy in India. And uh, maybe if you can point us to any good examples of uh, uh, well-known investors backing, of course, Continuum's uh, you know, investor, Morgan Stanley itself is an example, I, I get that. But uh, give us a sense of uh, uh, investor interest in wind energy in India. So quite a few, Harry, uh, uh, for example, there is Goldman Sachs, there is uh, sovereign funds like Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, there are Canadian pension funds like CPPIB, uh, OMERS, and uh, there is Copenhagen Investment Partners, there's TPG, there's Walmart Pinkers. So there is now a blurring of lines between supporting wind or solar because the industry is moving rapidly to hybrids, and therefore every player in this sector will have to have good skill sets and development capabilities and construction and operation capabilities in both wind and solar. So number of large investors, I mean, there is no dearth of investor. There is GIC, GIC uh, from Singapore, there is Temasek, and then there is a number of international utility players who have investment interests in India, like Sempop from Singapore, NL from Italy, ONG from France, EDM from, EDF from France, Petronas from Malaysia, so a number of Shell is, invest, Shell is invested in the space. So a number of companies, well-known names globally, both financial and strategic, have invested in renewable energy in general and in both wind and solar energy projects. Okay. Uh, in terms of uh, collaboration between GE and Continuum, uh, what are your next big steps? So I think we started with uh, the wind turbines, but GE provides a strong suite of uh, solutions for the uh, for the industry, you know, we have a lot to learn and benefit from these expertise in storage, expertise in managing and running hybrid projects. Uh, so we are working with 
the, the GE teams are learning uh, their solutions in those two areas. They have uh, very attractive solutions on, you know, digital solutions to increase the efficiency of operation and maintenance of renewable energy wind farms and solar farms. So multiple areas, in addition to the procurement of wind turbines and operational and maintenance of wind turbines, uh, we see a wider area of wider canvas available for us and GE to collaborate. Okay, excellent. Uh, I think we'll leave it there for this conversation. Uh, thank you so much, both of you, uh, Ranjit and Arvind, uh, for making time for this. And uh, I'd like to say that I'd like to keep the conversation going. Yep. Thank you, Hari. It was a it pleasure. Was a pleasure having been here. Thank you very much, Hari. That was Ranjit Wike and Arvind Bansal. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.